Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Community Connections Podcast. I am the host, Cole Warner. And joining me today is Josh Proctor, who is, I, I guess we can say this officially, the new director of clinical services is the new job title. You've heard Josh before on here as the director of inpatient services, but we have a little bit of a title change. Um, and maybe we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll just uh, stick to our uh, specific topic for today. But welcome to Community Connections, Josh. Thank you, Cole. Happy to be here. I think this is the third or fourth time, maybe fifth time that I've been able to join you. So happy to be here today. Yeah. Well, and I guess I will start then. So a new job title, Director of Clinical Services, and the healthcare world is always changing. And that's no surprise to anyone that, that listens to this podcast. Josh, you mind talking just for a little bit about some of the things that you're that you're working on at this point right now i am learning more about the home care aspect and compliance pieces so the next several weeks i'll be working with caitlin and amy specifically uh, learning their role how everything ties together so excited about that learning a lot of new information um things seeing things from a different angle a lot different than the inpatient unit and just realizing the importance of how all those pieces work together. Well, and we were just talking before we get on here that um, we were doing some training that, that talks about how we engage and interact with patients and families in the community and how we can ensure that we're meeting people's needs in a way that is helpful for them, but as well as what's best care for the patient and things like that. And your role, I mean, it, it sort of ties into that. It's not necessarily specifically tied to that, but the idea that healthcare is changing and the way we're doing things has to change with it is it, sort of tied into that. You know, we're making a significant, I, I guess you could say investment or, or priority to ensure that we're changing along with that. And I know you've been a part of that training as well. Yeah, so a lot of things have changed over the years um, in the healthcare system, especially. And it's really easy to forget what it's like to be a patient or a family member of a patient, unless you've had a family member go through the healthcare system lately. I think it's easy for healthcare workers to forget what it's like on the flip side of that. And so the training, especially today, with the staff is hopefully reiterating the importance of customer service, the people that you work with, how you represent yourself, but also the organization, um, being aware of what's going on around you, situational awareness, reading the room, things like that. What can you do for that patient or family that, you know, anticipating their needs before they even ask? Right. And just being responsive, um, being happy to help, right? Doing things, the small things that may not ordinarily be there, but even the small things add up and make a huge difference for families when they look back. And that family comes back and brags about a CNA or a nurse and what they did. And to us, it may seem insignificant at the time but it made a huge impact on that family and made their experience more enjoyable. Well, and we've kind of had that discussion. Of course, we've highlighted each of the roles 
um, through this podcast. And then this year we have done, um, and, and we've done a couple episodes in between, but this year we've done some dis- disease specific topics. And one of the reasons that we did that is I think you talk about like sort of putting ourselves, having that empathy, putting ourselves in our patients and their family's shoes. One of the things to do there is to help people with the information needed so that they can try to understand what's going on. One of the hardest things about, I think, the emotional side of hospice care is that we're serving people in a medical capacity or in a uh, social work capacity or in a spiritual capacity, but we're doing it under the umbrella that everything that's happening right now is often some of the most challenging times in a person's life and their support system around them. And it's one of the hardest times to feel like they're in control or understanding of what's going on. And so we're, we're almost sort of providing that education, but at the same time, struggling against the situation, right? And it can be really difficult to do education. And and so that's one of the reasons why we've even started doing this this disease-specific sort of normalization and giving an idea of, of what hospice does and what hospice care looks like and how we can help with specific things. And congestive heart failure is our topic for today. And this one is particularly difficult because over time, the symptoms specifically get worse for patients as they move through it. And it's something that there's not a whole lot of treatment for the root cause, right? There's things that you can do early on in a diagnosis to uh, slow the effects and and to make the effects um, less severe. But when patients are on hospice with CHF or congestive heart failure, some of the symptoms can be pretty severe and pretty hard for families to deal with. And I know you have a lot of experience in the inpatient unit. Josh, what do you see from our families when their loved one is under our care with with a diagnosis such as CHF? Like, like you mentioned, though, CHF is a really tough diagnosis because it's hard to prognosticate that. It's hard to say, well, you've got con- you were diagnosed with congestive heart failure in August. So in December, these are the symptoms that you're going to be dealing with. Or in January, this is now the new symptom that you're going to be dealing with because every patient is different. So that's one of the challenges that we have with congestive heart failure. And a lot of times it's one of the issues that we have or a struggle is a late hospice referral. Right. So we don't get to establish that relationship with the patient that we would like to have with a sooner admission um, getting to know that family, getting to treat those symptoms sooner, right? A lot of times it's after multiple hospitalizations that we finally get the referral for this hospice patient. We get the hospice referral. And a lot of times it's the the hospital, the hospital, the hospital doctor that is that is observing, well, this is the third or fourth admission in a matter of months. And we realize as clinicians that when the patient goes in the hospital, they may be functioning at a certain level, but after every hospitalization, that level decreases, right? So when the family may be thinking that everything is going well, 
they went in the hospital and they've come back out, their level of function is going to be a little bit less after every hospitalization. So that's a that's a difficult thing for for families to to see. And so we get late. I think the point that I'm trying to make with that is we get late referrals and we don't really get to help manage the symptoms in the home as much as we would like. And it's it's difficult for families sometimes to to have a change of mindset, right? Where we're going to the hospital seeking aggressive treatment versus we don't want to go to the hospital anymore. We're we're tired. We want to stay at home. Um, what can we do to keep our loved one home and comfortable? I appreciate you mentioning the multiple hospitalizations because we we did an episode on that earlier in this season. In some of the statistics that that Dr. Warner shared regarding the decline, I, I think were. I guess they were surprising for me, maybe not surprising for people that do this often, but they were surprising to me. And I think that families really struggle with the idea that, you know, I I don't know, the general thought is, is that when you go to the doctor, when you go to the hospital, you're supposed to get better. Right. And with a, with a terminal illness or even just a, a severe disease process, that doesn't generally happen. Right. And, sp- and if we're talking about CHF, especially your ability to function daily with the decrease in that, that can be really difficult for families. Right. So when you're having increased shortness of breath with activity, right, patient was able to walk to the bathroom and get back to the chair and they may take a few minutes to recover with increased shortness of breath, you know, that walk to the bathroom, they may need to sit down on their way back from the bathroom and catch their breath, where it may take them 20 or 30 minutes to recover before they feel like they can go do another activity. So increased burden of doing the activities of daily living, right? If it if you get short of breath walking 20 feet, how are you going to be able to walk to the kitchen and to eat, right? You don't really feel like eating too much when you're short of breath. So you have to plan your activities that you normally did or that a healthy person does without thinking. Now this individual has to do it and take breaks and recover. And uh, that's difficult. That's difficult for patients. It's difficult for families to accept and uh, to be able to work through. So that's one of the things that hospice likes to manage. We like to be able to help patients be as comfortable as possible. We can use medications to ease that burden so they don't feel short of breath and they are able to do their activities without being wiped out. You know, talk about symptoms of congestive heart failure, just the inability to breathe. And then that causes fatigue where you're tired, right? That's difficult. Patients aren't able to sleep well at night because they have to sleep in certain positions so that they can breathe. so those are those are some symptoms that hospice can help with and and work with families. Hopefully, helping that patient be comfortable, families be comfortable in caring for that patient, give them good days at home. If the goal is for them to be at home, we want to keep them at home and give them as good a quality of care and quality of time together as possible. Well, and there is the notion, and and I understand where people you know sort of get this idea from is that when we're healthy and we're trying to recover for something, exercise, movement, 
all of that is really great for the body, right? If you if you have a have a hip replacement, right? After healing time, moving that hip, getting up and moving around, walking, that is really good for your mobility and your long-term recovery. But with a disease like CHF, that's it's it's sort of the opposite, right? That that continuous movement as it as it gets as you become you know, early on exercise is good, but when you're to a point where, you know, you're short of breath, getting up and, and walking to use the restroom or to shower or or to to eat, it, it, it's not going to be helpful, the exercise, right? And you're going to find that it's, it's you're feeling out of breath, you're feeling fatigued all of the time, which then in turn makes the patients feel worse, right, overall, and they're not feeling that um, recovery time and that rest time in between. And so sort of changing that mindset for people and helping them to be okay with that and recognizing that there can be quality of life and you can, you know, move around when you need to, if you take the recovery and rest time. Right. Yeah. And that's difficult that that's very easier said than done. Right. It's easier for us to say that's, that's what's expected uh, than for a patient to accept that or a family. So that's what we want to help with. We want to be able to help them through that process and symptom manage, but also be that emotional support and uh, presence with them. If we talk about where hospice serves folks, we have patients between our, you know, with this diagnosis and our inpatient unit and skilled nursing facilities that we contract with in home care, there's not a specific setting where you say, well, when you get to a certain point with this disease process, you need to be at this place, right? This is um, not necessarily one of those. And I think what the night, the, the, really cool thing about hospice care specifically is, is because we provide care in all of those settings, our treatments are tailored for you to be able to help your loved one wherever it is that you are, wherever it is that you call home at that time, right? And and so if there is a more severe symptom management needed, right, the inpatient unit is available and the and the medications and the treatment is different, than say somebody who is staying at home, who maybe is just having some of the shortness of breath, but can't otherwise get around or whatever that might look like. One that I one symptom that we've not discussed yet that I did want to talk to you about because I know that we deal with this quite a bit is fluid buildup. And I know that probably doesn't, you know, that what whatever that might mean to you, but fluid buildup is something that is pervasive in congestive heart failure folks. And I wanted you to just talk a little bit about that because while that's a scary thing, it's not always something that can really be have much done about. So with congestive heart failure, you're talking about fluid accumulating in different areas. So it can accumulate in the lungs, right? Which is, does not help the shortness of breath, but also in the extremities. So congestive heart failure patients do see swelling in their ankles and feet, that's not comfortable and it can impair mobility. You That decreases your range of motion and the ability you have to ambulate. So we have a couple of different options with that. We can definitely, if the, if the goal is for the patient to stay in the home, we can, we can give medications in the home that help with that swelling if they're able to take pills, right? Um, but, you know, if that's not working, we do have the option 
when they have fluid buildup in the home, we do have the option that we can bring them to the inpatient unit to give them medicines injectably for, that will decrease the swelling and also increase their their ability to breathe, the ease of breathing, decreasing that shortness of breath symptom that they're going to experience in the home as well. So we have that option. Um, so like I said, we multiple things, oral medication, but also injectable. We have that capability on the inpatient unit to do injectable medicines. I've kind of been having this conversation with each of our guests that have talked about a specific disease process or issue this uh, this season on the podcast. Even though, you know, hospice care is directed towards comfort and it's directed towards quality of life, it, it we we do recognize what a difficult process that it is for families. If I gave you the opportunity to say something to families of someone who has, you know, either, you know, moderate or severe congestive heart failure and what it is they can do to be helpful or what it is they can do to maybe find a little bit of peace in what's going on with them. What is the message that you would have for families? I would say evaluate your goals of care looking at patients that have multiple hospitalizations. Hospitalizations, like we mentioned before, you don't come out of the hospital at the same level that you went in. So when you realize that you you are are not going to get better, what is your goal? What do you want? Do you want to stay at home? And if that is the goal and you want to be home with family, and friends and not in the hospital hospice is a resource that's there for you and we can we will tailor your care plan around you and what you want and i think that is that's something that's lacking in healthcare today um, a lot of times we come up the healthcare team can come up with a plan that doesn't really involve the patient and the healthcare team comes together and says, this is what we're going to do. And then they sort of, the patient just gets it. But hospice really is about the patient and the family. And so we want to know what's important to you. What can we do to help you get those things that are important? I appreciate you bringing up the goals of care discussion. And also another theme that has come up in our conversations almost every episode is that idea of shared decision-making and I think we, you know, we've talked about having a hard time having those types of discussions with our families, but yet they're very important. And I won't sort of go back over that since, since we've done an episode on uh, goals and decision making and goals of care. But I do think that not just hospice, any healthcare setup, system, treatment option should include quality, in-depth conversation surrounding what realistic expectations are. And when I know that we strive to do that, and we know that our families appreciate feeling like they were included in conversations, feeling like the patient's values, what's important to them was included in the conversation. You know, so much of healthcare now is starting to recognize the whole person mentality. And it is so important that we recognize who we are as people 
in our healthcare as well, in, in the care provided, because unfortunately, especially in hospice care, you know, for many folks, they don't have much time left. And so the amount of quality care we can provide them and the quality of life that we can provide to them is so valuable. And our families recognize that. And, and that's why it's really important. And we do a whole season series on getting access to hospice care early. It is not a fun conversation to have that that discussion with a family and a patient when you see the decline and you but somebody needs to have that conversation. It's our responsibility um, as a healthcare professional to have that conversation, even though it's not fun. Uh, families will appreciate that when you you give them the opportunity to see what's expected and and plan for the future. Well, Josh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing those insights and kind of discussing what it is that hospice can do for folks. And, you know, our goal today was, was kind of to stay out of some of the symptom management stuff that we have done earlier this year, because even though that is a, a really important piece, I think I also wanted, hopefully those listeners in, in our community to recognize that it's not just about well, you know, how do we fix your shortness of breath? It is about sort of how that affects you and your family system and how people make decisions and how people, you know, in terms of the multiple hospitalizations, how that affects you, how that takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your family system and, and how you care for that person. And it's not easy. And, and again, I always say this, you know, we're not saying it's easy. We are, we want to be a help to those that need and those that we can benefit from these services. Definitely not easy. And it is something that we hope that you feel comfortable seeking help with. Talk to your provider. If you have any questions, talk to your family's provider. If you have any questions so that you can feel like you're involved in those care discussions and, and decisions, because as we've said today, they are so important. So thank you, Josh, for, for coming and sharing your expertise on the podcast today. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be here with you and looking forward to the next time.